Welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. And today is really exciting because it's our first ever guest, our first ever interview. Mm-hmm. And we are in St. Paul, Minnesota, and we are interviewing Kendra. And she is a therapist and she deals with religious trauma. So thank you so much for being here, Kendra. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, we're so excited for this conversation. So we want to talk to you about your religious background, you know, everything. I don't know if you call it a deconstruction or just how you happened to come from, you know, being religious to being a therapist. And so I want to know first, like, your background in religion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in North Dakota, small town, mm-hmm. USA, and mm-hmm. was raised in uh, an evangelical free church. Mm-hmm. Um, and what so is no- evangelical free it's part of the non-denominational okay. branch, but it's part of the Evangelical Free Church of America. Okay, so yeah. it's like a type of churches. Yep. Like, okay. Yep. And uh, so was pretty actively involved in that. And one of the things that is maybe a little, maybe a little unique about my experience is my parents actually in college were a part of a cult and left oh. a cult oh. and then joined. Um, this this evangelical free church okay. and which is where I was raised, but they obviously have had a lot of trauma of their own, mm-hmm. and never really felt like a part of this community. So it was just a, a place holder, a place for my family to go to church on Sundays. But um, it wasn't like a I didn't grow up in a very fundamentalist home okay. or an indoctrinated home. Um, it was something that I chose later on mm-hmm. myself. Interesting. Yeah, which is very interesting. Yeah. It, it fits with my personality a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say I had this massive trauma when I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. My hometown flooded and we were evacuated uh, in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and yeah. left like the safety and comfort of my you know fourth, fourth grade yeah. world oh, and, yeah. um, and had a really traumatic experience joining a school in another town and my mom looks back on that time and says like that was when your little light went out that's so sad yeah yeah yeah. it breaks my heart to hear that (laughs) um but yeah so that experience i really look back and that's what i pinpoint as this significant point in my life where i was searching on an unconscious level for a sense of belonging because yeah. I had had for the first time ever this big experience of not belonging. Right. And so I came back, uh, started, you know, a few years later, started middle school and made a shift in my friends to being really closely connected with some friends that I made at church. Mm-hmm. And it was really in middle school and early high school where I started to become like the super Christian. Okay. Um, just because I found so much belonging and identity mm-hmm. there yeah. and a, like a, a box or a framework in mm-hmm. which I could excel and, and be the best. Right. And, um, you know, there were rules to, to fit into. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I got super, super involved in religion. And um, my parents never really fostered that. They, you know, were supportive, but it was totally on my own choice. Okay, so you kind of, like, jumped ahead of your family in a sense. and You dove in head first. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and my my parents, you know, in, in recent years, we've had discussions around this. They they actually said, you know, we would have left that church a long time ago had you not been involved in it. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't want to take you away from this, like, beautiful, what they saw was beautiful yeah. community and yeah. place yeah. belonging for me, which that has some mixed feelings for me yeah. because kind of came at the expense of my siblings. Um, so, yeah, I was, like, full on in, you know, super Christian going mm-hmm. to everything. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of all the, some, uh, missions trips and SEMP. Oh, Are yeah. you familiar with SEMP? No, like a, what's that? It was basically this, um, 
summer training program down at Wheaton where you would basically learn how to evangelize and okay. proselytize okay. people. Okay. So we'd go into Chicago and, and do that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. A couple of missions trips and, you know, basically I, I say this now mm-hmm. at the time it was very, very genuine for me, Yeah. Mm-hmm. but I was like using quotes really, really good at being a good Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that was a major part of my identity and I felt, I felt like I had arrived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So naturally, a part of that is I wanted to go into ministry. And so I was looking around for um, how to like continue on in this path of, uh, you know, being a really big part of the Christian church. And so I decided to go to Bible school and I went to um, Moody Bible Institute, which mm-hmm. is in downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. And had an amazing time there, actually. Yeah. Uh, met some of my best friends. I actually met my husband there. Um, nice. And Are you so close with your friends that you made there? Some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them. Uh, my best friend that I made there, we're still very close. Cool. Um, still married to my partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which we can talk about, too. Uh, so that was a really positive experience, looking back on it. Um, Kind of when things started to fall apart for me, looking back, I would say there were signs all the way through that pieces didn't fit. Like, yeah. I was never good at evangelizing. It really felt very um, uh, uncomfortable in my in my heart yeah. and yeah. my like spirit. And I understand um, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it was like, oh shit, this is what I have to do. Yeah, right. I have to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to at least pretend like I'm good at it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, that's weird too. Uh, I don't know if you experienced, but like feeling like it feels good to evangelize in a certain sense because one part of my brain is like, yes, you're doing something really good. But the other part of me is like, oh, this is not easy. And this feels really unnatural. Exactly. Real dichotomy. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which I think is a good, a good uh, statement for a lot of our experiences. Probably. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so it started to kind of really break down for me. I I went overseas and did an internship um, over in uh, um, Portugal and was working with a youth minister out there. Mm-hmm. And some pretty traumatic things happened while I was over there, and I was totally alone. And I, I came back to the States and had what I can only uh, describe as like a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um I was super, super depressed and was having panic attacks like daily. Um, my at the time was my boyfriend, who is now my husband. Mm-hmm. Josh came out to see me. Yeah, and I was like, "Please break up with me. I'm crazy. I have no idea what's going on. Like, I had no language for what I was oh, experiencing. Yeah. yeah, that's so terrifying. Yes, I I've experienced that as well. That's a re- that's a really good way to think about it. Actually, like it gives me compassion for the times when I had yeah. no language for yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, my parents basically drug me back from my senior year to Moody, and I'm glad I went back, but I, I was horrifically depressed mm-hmm. and, and anxious. Yeah. And I think it was some of these ex- experiences that I had in Portugal and being alone, and part of it was that I, I was witness to this major um, discrepancy between professed faith and people's actions. Okay. And I remember thinking, like, what the hell? Like, yeah. if this is what it's about, I don't want anything to yeah. do with it. Yeah. But I, I, I just didn't have any language or really any space to explore that. Yeah. Because I'm heading into my senior year of a ministry school. <laughs> yeah. Right. Planning to go into full-time ministry. Yeah. So I came back and um, I got on some medication, which uh, was really helpful in, like, getting me back into school. Um and then I started seeing a therapist on campus, and that was actually an extremely traumatizing experience mm. for me. Very, very shaming mm. and oh blaming. Um, I only saw this person once, and I then met with a couple other therapists until I landed with this one that I worked with for a number of years, and um, she was really amazing. Um, and so basically, that's where really things started to... Um, get challenging for me as far as I couldn't make sense of my emotional space or um, 
you know, I had a big disconnect between my intellectual knowledge and my, and my heart mm-hmm. and my body's reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of kept trucking along, yeah. and, you know, cause we're, I, I was, I felt like I was indoctrinated to turn off any cues mm-hmm. to those, uh, other ways of knowing. So yeah. like knowledge center in your heart or knowledge center in your, in your gut, in yeah. your body system. Um, and so Josh and I got married and we moved out to Denver and we went to graduate school. And so, uh, he was working full time at a ministry and I was, um, working, uh, for an engineering firm. Okay. And we both were super involved at this church that he grew up in and he was working full time there. Um, and basically almost towards the end of our first year of marriage, Mm -hmm. we had a really, really horrific traumatizing experience in that church. So the church that he was raised in and we were serving in and where all of our community was formed. Um, his boss essentially systematically over the period of about maybe even a year, um, was isolating him from the rest of the leadership team and spreading lies about Josh and and myself. Um, you know, I think he just was really, uh, I think he had a lot of shame and a lot of insecurity Yeah, and was threatened by Josh. And I think they were threatened by us as a couple. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a, a ton of lies Dang. spread about us that we didn't know about until mm-hmm. about maybe two years after. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, calling into question like our marriage mm-hmm. and my mental health and um, Josh's mental health. And so basically kind of where things came to a head is we were told, you know, Josh was told by this boss, we're not going to um, renew your position. Um, and it's because you're not called to ministry. Oh, so like he, he decided. Just, like, decided yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And as you can imagine, that language is 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 very very abusive. Yeah, and powerful. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so this is a couple that we were really good friends with, and um, pretty significant people in our mm-hmm. lives. And mm-hmm. uh, being newly married, I was like, "What the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who did I marry?" Right. Um, but at the same time. Uh, we it was so not it was not a satisfying answer because we were like what do you mean he's not called to yeah right. yeah like how can you be so certain about <laughs> how that? do you know yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. and so we would push back on that uh-huh. and you know the the response josh would get was uh you're just not passionate about programming or you're not passionate about like organizing events or things like that so Basically, people were using spiritual, this guy was using spiritual language, religious language to kind of uh, lay down, you know, a, a, an ace card, you yeah, know, and, yeah, and right. basically uh, win the hand. Yeah. And so, Dang. yeah, it was, it was awful. I mean, there's so many details that I don't need to go into, but um, that was really the pivotal point mm-hmm. where I was like, this is so fucked up. Yeah. Um, this is completely couldn't be further from what the teachings of Jesus are. Yeah. And we lost our entire community. So this couple had gone around and really, you know, uh, kind of poisoned all of the wells of these relationships that we had with everybody. Um, we did have two friends, two couples that kind of stayed closely connected to us because we had shared with them all that was happening all along. Mm -hmm. But we really wanted to, like, take the higher road and, and not do what this person was doing to yeah. us. Yeah. But, like, spreading rumors or, yeah. Yeah. Or even really engaging in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because we, mm-hmm. at the time, believed, like, the truth will come out, and we just were waiting for that. And so that started a multiple, multiple-year process of we stayed at that church for quite a while because we... We were like, we have nothing to hide. We have nothing to run away from. Yeah. And hopefully the truth will come out. Well, eventually it just became way too painful yeah. to even be in that space. I was going to say, I, like, I would imagine that would have been really hard, even if you are choosing to take the high road, it would be really hard yeah. to just exist in that community mm-hmm. with all that stuff going on below the surface. Exactly. Especially like where 
you feel like people should be most loving and accepting. That's got to be yeah. the hardest place to experience yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Like so betrayed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And just confusing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, it. We had like I, I've said this a couple times. We've had, we had no language for it. Right. And no space to go where we felt we could get support or counsel. Yeah. 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 And yeah, nobody's so, prepared for that. No. I mean, that's no. The weirdest situation. And, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So you said that you were there for two years uh, after that point? Um, you know, maybe like a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Where we were super inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And then Josh started applying for other ministry jobs. And okay. eventually we, we never went back into ministry just because every, you know, place he would be a candidate at it just was like we can't do this like, yeah the more we would try to get back into it the more it felt so painful mm-hmm. and like we didn't belong yeah mm-hmm. um so we just you know kind of took a pause on our whole the ways that we had expressed ourselves spiritually yeah and um that felt really good mm-hmm. and meanwhile this during this whole time we're both in graduate school mm-hmm. and I'm also doing a postgraduate training program specializing in experiential couples and family therapy at the same time. So I'm meeting all these amazing people from all walks of life and all Mm -hmm. different faith identities Mm -hmm. and being totally embraced and loved and celebrated. What an opposite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was, but honestly, one of the biggest gifts for me mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it was the first time in my whole life where I really had had friendships, deep friendships mm-hmm. with people that didn't share the same beliefs as me sure. and who were completely accepting of my entire being. Yeah. And, um, how refreshing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was honestly like mind blowing. Yeah. I, I remember. <laughs> yes. I remember sitting in our like intern room with two of my best friends and thinking, oh my gosh, like, who don't identify, never have identified as as Christians. I remember looking at them and thinking to myself, like, I am experiencing God through you. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do I make sense of yes. this? What do you do <laughs> yes. with that? Yeah. 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 So basically, I mean, that was approaching nine years ago when, every, okay. when everything hit the fan. Okay. okay. So... We stayed out in Denver for eight more years and, um, you know, went through our own therapy individually as, as, as well as a, as a couple, um, really processing through the trauma of losing not only our, our faith system and, and all of this sense of knowing, but losing our entire community and our entire identity yeah, yeah and right. losing Josh's really his his passion yeah Yeah. right and his uh, what he thought was his kind of calling yes that's Um, everything yeah (laughs) like so much right yeah yeah now you got to go through this together we did so (laughs) like yeah i feel like that is such a blessing i I don't have a better word to describe that but that's amazing did you talk about it together like as you're going through it like but you said you didn't really have the language in the beginning mm-hmm. to describe what you were feeling. Did you have like a time when you started talking about that together more? Yeah. You know, we didn't totally experience our deconstruction process at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember coming to Josh one day and we were sitting at our dining room table and, you know, it took like all the courage in my body to say, I don't think I believe in hell anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, like I don't believe in like, I, I, I don't believe that there's really only one expression of love. Like mm-hmm. I think my friends who are identify as lesbian are experiencing love. the same type of love yeah. that, you know, God wishes for everyone. Yeah. yeah. I remember saying that to him and, and he, he was at a little bit of a different point, but um, one of the biggest gifts I think for the two of us is not necessarily that we came out on the other side together, but that we, that we created space for each other to be at whatever point in our grief process and in the transition that we were, Mm -hmm. because we weren't lined up and now we are now, but Mm -hmm. you know, even our faith, even our spiritual practices that were 
a building now are looking different. Sure. Um, but yeah, we created these spaces where we would check in and we would pro- most of the time be at different levels. But yeah, uh, knowing that we we were okay with that difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it didn't have to be kind of the point at which our relationship had to dissolve. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's, do you feel like that was how your guys' relationship always was? Or, you know, while you were both Christian, do you feel um, maybe more, uh, not sure how to say it, like... Um, like rigid? Yeah, rigid. Or, or were you always kind of free to disagree in your relationship, mm-hmm. so to speak? That's a great question. And I appreciate you asking that because I get to, like, brag on my husband a little bit. Because <laughs> honestly, I think he's the one that created that space from the beginning in our relationship. Okay. When we like met at Moody or were dating or, you know, newly engaged, I was very rigid yeah. and in pretty classic, um, complementarian beliefs about roles and my place. And Josh has never been about that. I yeah. mean, I remember us getting in major fights around, him being the spiritual leader of our family mm-hmm. and him saying like, no, Kendra, like you are an equal participant. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, you know, which is, I laugh at it, but it's, it's, you know, deeply troubling. To right. Us. Yes. Yeah. How yes. bizarre. How you know? Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That I, know. I held that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We so, relate to that too. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like we were really like emotionally attached in an unhealthy way or there was these really rigid roles and you want to be obedient to God because that's like your purpose. And so you're not even noticing how harmful the rules are, yeah. you know, and Blinded by like it. even him being so loving and saying that to you, like yeah. that love is not as important as you following or obeying these rules. I don't yeah. Know. That's well said. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. great that he was able to be that way yeah that space for you yeah yeah i mean i think had i been partnered with somebody else i don't know how that would have gone right um, i know i was he, he's always held tension around um his beliefs and you know he what does he say he calls himself like it's like i was always a rebel at moody and, and <laughs> okay. he was in, yeah. in some of these you know quintessential ways so yeah um I really think he was the one that allowed us to transition into this deconstruction and grief process yeah. and not lose our connection. And in fact, it's it has deepened and heightened our level of emotional intimacy mm-hmm. and connection as a couple mm-hmm. that sure. I, I never thought was possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Actually, like, moving away from belief. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I love how you said that you were able to give each other space, and even in that early time I don't think we knew that we needed to give each other space and I think that's something that I'm still learning that when you really love someone you let them in a way like figure it out on their own like give them space to grow or just collect their thoughts yeah instead of trying to force you to be the same in the same Mm -hmm. place and I don't know that could be encouraging for people who are going through this at different times with their spouse or I mean and they want to stay together and they're trying to move together yeah. well it's it's really terrifying it was really terrifying for us and we yeah. heard it's really terrifying for a lot of other people who are in relationship when one person starts to doubt or one person starts to think a little bit differently about something mm-hmm. at least from our experience as christians that would that would be a really unusual thing to happen where like one of the christian spouses starts to think a little differently about something then it's like whoa we were supposed to both be equally yoked here you know on the exact same page like moving together step by step at the exact same time we just Um, don't learn how to love people we disagree with yeah i think we learn that we love people who agree exactly with us right you know and especially growing up in your parents and whatever god says you need to like be an equal match yeah you know equally yoked and it's like it's hard you even now I'm realizing it's difficult for me to love people who disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So that's really, so that's interesting. That, that's yeah. cool. That you learn to do that with yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to give him all the credit to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. See, somehow he, he developed the skill of critical, critical thinking. Yeah. I did not. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I have now done that as a late 20 year old. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, it really is in line with what you just said, Katie, about, you know, we, we weren't given permission or taught how to love people 
who hold difference. Mm -hmm. And that's a lack of critical, I mean, that's a major lack in skills around critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And how bizarre that you have to develop that like so late on. I mean, even us, you know, it, it's, you end up feeling like, oh my gosh, I should have learned this as a child. You know, (laughs) it's hard to like, I don't know, feel confident again, but you like, or give yourself compassion, I guess, you know, learning that stuff so late. Yeah. But exactly. It's a thing. So let's go back to when you started getting into therapy Mm -hmm. and what made you want to go to school to become a therapist? Yeah. Well, when I was at Moody, I was a family ministries major, which doesn't exist anymore, but uh, (laughs) I was the last one to graduate. Oh, Um, you were? Yeah. It was that title. And uh, it basically was like pre-counseling. Okay. So I, what, what did it was my experience with my therapist in Chicago. Her name was uh, Linda and she was really transformative for me. Yeah. Um, and really, I can look back and say she was a big part of the beginning stages of my deconstruction. Okay. Really helping me sit in tension and the gray and the ambiguity. Yeah. Um, very accepting. And so it was my relationship with her that made me realize I want I want to sit in the sacred and beautiful space with somebody else or with couples or families that I've experienced with her. Yeah. Um, so oh, cool yeah and what a testament to her i mean yeah, I, like, yeah, I would imagine right. if she heard that how encouraged yeah. you know she would feel by that that's really cool yeah she's pretty amazing um so was she uh like a secular therapist then you know or, that's a good question because I, I would have thought as like you were obviously super christian when you were going to moody and yeah. at least from my perspective when i was super christian if i would have ever had troubles i would have made sure like my therapist has got to be really christian too yeah. you know i th- i don't want to speak for her beliefs sure. but i i do think that she at the very least she could totally hold space and use a language that i was using i okay. do think that yeah. she did identify as a christian um but she wasn't rigid and uh i mean i found her through a friend who was also going to moody who was going to see her okay i don't remember how they connected but Mm -hmm. um at the very minimum she she had compassion and and love for the the values that i had yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and could really support me in that Mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah yeah so then I went, I knew I wanted to be a therapist and I went to seminary, Denver seminary and got a master's in clinical mental health counseling. Okay. Um, and it really wasn't until everything happened with our church that I knew I wanted to do secular counseling. Okay. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I, I, I didn't want to be a biblical counselor, but I wanted to counsel within the church. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought that I wanted to provide therapy resources to missionaries when they were coming okay. off the mm-hmm. field. Yeah. Um, as you know, there's a lot of trauma that happens. I can see that, that being a need. Yeah. Experience right. yeah. too. Um, so, but it was that whole experience of having our own trauma and losing our community, losing everything and simultaneously being exposed to all these other people yeah. who, um, were the antithesis of what I was experiencing in the, in the church. Yeah. Um, and that's what, what led me to want to start my own practice and really spoke it, really uh, specialize and focus on, on treating trauma. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. Cool. So had you done any, did you do any therapy with missionary families before? Were you a therapist at that point or were you doing any like, you know, like work during graduate school with like Christian couples at all? I didn't do any work with missionaries, not that I'm remembering. I, yeah, my memory may fail me, but I, in graduate school, I, we did provide therapy out of, um, a a clinic that the school put on Mm -hmm. that was Mm faith-based. So we were working through a a kind of a faith lens. Um, and at the same time I did my internship at, uh, the Denver Family Institute, which is where I was getting exposed to all these other people. Okay. So I was providing faith-based counseling Mm -hmm. and then non-faith-based counseling in another, in another arena. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I went to, I feel like I had counseling with someone who was doing their internship, who was in graduate school, 
like going through that similar like experience like through the university mm-hmm. I guess in Portland mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that was kind of your first like introduction to any like kind a of... real like more of a real counselor yeah my first one was traumatic like you said where she was oh, shame, wow. shaming and yeah just made me feel like I shouldn't have had the problems I have you yeah. know yeah. that kind of thing oh, it's, it's so it is like really difficult like you said to find a therapist because yeah. the process of like shopping for someone or just interviewing someone to see if they're going to be a good fit for you is very vulnerable you're sharing like your your personal problems and seeing if they're going to be able to help or listen or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah well and even for me i feel like it took a long time for me to get to the point where i even realized or where i could accept the fact that i needed outside help yes so like you're saying the first therapist you went to ended up being really traumatic for you how did you keep your motivation? Like after that first really traumatic yeah. experience, I would imagine you were really disheartened by that. Um, yeah. What, what kept yeah. you searching for a new one, mm-hmm. I guess? Well, I was honestly, I was just desperate. Okay. okay. I mean, it was, I, I wasn't experiencing suicidal ideation, but it was kind of really, really, really intense mm-hmm. yeah. to the point where I didn't want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I had no, I, I had no, energy, no passion. And I think a part of it too was having that experience myself of struggling with mental health and realizing through conversation with my family that everyone in my family can relate to that. Um, it, it was like, I don't know, it was something about the fact that that gave me permission to know it didn't happen in a vacuum yeah. and that it wasn't like because of a lack of belief. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had experiences like like being being shamed by that therapist with friends at Moody, where I came mm-hmm. back and was you know talking about how I was doing and was met with, well, you need to you need to pray more and you need to trust in God for mm-hmm. Him to heal you. Oh and gosh, it's yeah. like that's what I was doing. Yeah. Right. You know, I well, of course <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would know to do that. Yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right. it's you know the potential for people to be continually re-traumatized is really really uh pervasive yeah um so i think i just had my family's permission my my parents were really encouraging me to get support and my husband you know was doing the same thing and Mm -hmm. um and i did have some i did have a couple friends at moody that one of my friends her mom is a was a a therapist Mm -hmm. and was like very supportive of me so i had little beacons of light okay this lady just she she pissed me off uh-huh. originally, mm-hmm. and I think I was so angry that I like wanted to spite her, <laughs> like find a, a way better yeah. personality. Yeah, yeah, like I'm gonna show you. I'm yes, gonna, I'm, I'm not the cause of my hell. issue. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's such a good motivator. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which anger is not something that I experience a lot, uh-huh. but okay. I was like, I was so mad. Well, yeah, yeah, because she she yeah she said horrible things to me and about my family and man. It's like you don't even know me. No. Right. So, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's the last thing you want. No. Go exactly. to a therapist. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the worst yes. possible thing. Yeah. yeah. And so, I think she was probably, you know, I, I really believe that people are trying to do their best. Of even, course. For the yeah. most part, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. not intending to harm, but the problem is when we don't, when we don't give ourselves enough space to actually evaluate what we believe and what is a, a, in a congruent manifestation of that in our words and our actions, we cause so much harm. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And that that community didn't allow for that type of introspection. So okay. you now, like, fast forward a couple of years, you start working with people who have gone through religious trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and did you like have to make a conscious effort to kind of start that or did it just sort of naturally come about that you started working with clients who were dealing with that? Yeah. I, so before I moved to the twin cities, I lived in Denver for a while, like I mentioned, and that's where I actually started my clinical practice. Okay. And it mostly started working with adoptees and their families. Okay. And, um, over, the, over time, I just started getting more and more people coming to me who identified as Christian, but were struggling with some sort of um, incongruence or discrepancy within their experience of their faith system. Okay. Yeah. And 
So that's really where those conversations started to happen. And they were happening simultaneously and maybe even before that with my own therapist okay. that I've been working with for, I don't know, six or seven years, mm-hmm. um, who really has helped me go through this whole process. Yeah. So I started noticing it and, you know, reflecting back, like, this, these are, I love talking about this and I love mm-hmm. supporting people around figuring out what they actually believe and what feels congruent to them. And so I never marketed for that okay. in Denver or you know, never really made it known that that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just was naturally kind of coming to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I moved out here, uh, just felt like this is, I think this is what I feel most passionate about. And I really want to provide a space for people along the whole spectrum of uh, people who have had adverse religious experiences, I want to create a space where they can process that yeah. and land wherever they want. So it has moved into more of a uh, really targeted uh, place of practice for myself Yeah, within the last year and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like all of, you obviously went through a bunch of trauma with your like Christian experiences and coming out of that. Do you feel like that's kind of transitioned into something that, is sort of an asset in a way um, to your practice now? That's a great question. (laughs) Um, I, I think it is an asset. Um, What's coming up for me is like it, I do think it's an asset. I think I've done a lot of work in my own story around my own grief process. Mm-hmm. So I, I no longer feel like I'm angry okay. mm-hmm. and I'm not in a space of anger or hatred yeah. towards the people that harmed my husband and I, or the loss of relationships or the loss of all my ideals, mm-hmm. you know, which is a grief in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and because I feel like I've moved into this place of compassion and, uh, I'm, I'm always doing my own work too. So sure. that I feel like it is mostly a, an asset. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that a lot of clients really like that I can speak that language and I know it on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and really my whole goal is about helping people tap into their own personal intuition and to their authentic self and find ways to live out of that in whatever way that means to them. Yeah. That's and amazing. That can be in a faith system or it can be outside of the faith system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not about at all being um, Mm anti-belief or Um, anti-faith. I think that's a deep, deep part of being human. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm anti-dogma and Mm -hmm. anti, um, you know, people losing parts of their themselves and their voice and their essence. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Yeah, because that's a big part of coming out. Mm-hmm. of christianity for us at least like finding our voice yeah you know, right. authentic self and trusting that person yeah. yeah you know i think that's the maybe the biggest step we had to take or the first right. one that we had to take and when we were in that place that you feel hopeless because you don't even have like you said the language to understand that you don't have that because yeah. you think that you do you you know you do right yeah. Well, it's weird when I feel like when we first started going through this, it's like you realize that you've lost parts of yourself. The first mm-hmm. thing, you know, while I was Christian, I never realized that there were parts of me that weren't being expressed or that I've been pushing down for years or whatever. Yeah. And so those first moments of kind of awakening to that, like, oh my gosh, I just realized I, I don't have a personality or like, yeah. I don't, you know, I've been shoving things down forever was mm-hmm. shocking and then feels so overwhelming and you don't have any idea how to come back from that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that sounds like the work you're doing is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. What other kinds of themes have you noticed in therapy with religious people? Or like, in maybe what are some ways that you can, I don't know. I think like when people become aware of maybe some of the things that have been hurting them, it's like really helpful to just at least notice that Absolutely. that happened for me, like just yeah. noticing something. And have you noticed any like common themes with people that you worked with? Yeah, I think it's it's such a big spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, and I, I use that that language of adverse religious experiences because it's I feel that it's really encompassing of all the different uh, language that people identify with. I have quite a 
lot of people that come to work with me and they don't identify with religious trauma, that term. Okay. Okay. But like okay. I was harmed in a religious experience. It yeah. feels good to them or spiritual abuse feels good to them or none of that, but mm-hmm. I've had an adverse religious experience. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's really interesting because I, I think I relate to that because you know, we'll read online about other people's stories and how they've come out of religion or how they've been negatively affected. And some people can easily say like, yeah, I had religious trauma or I had trauma in this. But for me, for whatever reason, that it was really hard for me to even admit that. No, no, no. me too. Yeah, yeah something about like, it seems my like experience sacrilegious. wasn't that bad. It seemed, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's interesting. And, and kind of calling it an adverse religious experience, uh-huh. I can say like, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely yes. have that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, that trauma word seems like mm-hmm. hard for me to relate to that. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's part of our culture's language yeah. around trauma. You know, we, a lot of people categorize it in uh, classic PTSD symptoms and, you know, uh, like an experience of a, of a veteran. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, somebody who's been in a war zone. And trauma really is based on the individual's experience of whatever happened to them and it's the physiological response that the body has yeah. to being overwhelmed and mm. the, and threatened okay. um so i think part of it is that I, I don't think collectively as a society we really understand trauma yeah and uh what do i want to say about that um i i agree with you i i struggled with claiming trauma myself and we I think what I wanted to say is we we tend to categorize it like oh mine wasn't as bad as X Y Z yeah yeah and the the reality is is it it really is up to you know the the experiencer sure, you yeah. know there's and no scale like a universal scale yeah. yes yeah yes what's traumatizing now uh-huh. there are physiological signs of the body's overwhelm mm-hmm. um, so I do see some of that where people come in and you know they're having difficulty. Um, exploring their sexual uh, expression or sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. um, or uh, you know they have panic attacks related Mm -hmm. to certain words or being in a in a church building yeah and those those are traumatic symptoms of the body's Mm -hmm. overwhelm yeah something that felt threatening um but so i i like this umbrella term because it feels encompassing it feels like it doesn't cause us to say, oh, Joe, your experience was worse than mine, therefore right. it's more valid. Yeah. 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 Um, because it's val- all three of our experiences are valid because it's our experience. Yeah. And um, so I see a whole spectrum of people uh, around issues that, ha- that have some touch point to adverse religious experiences. And um, it could be around sexuality, gender expression, um, what else? Um, body dysmorphia, um, eating disorders. Uh, I do a lot of work with people around um, lack of intuition and lack of voice yeah. and feeling like they have complete disconnect from about their shoulders down. Wow. So their experience might have been I really felt like I totally understood myself on an intellectual level inside the church because my church asked me to disconnect from my my heart knowledge and yeah. my body yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And so I do a lot of somatic body work around let's retap into these two sources of knowledge which are equally and maybe even more important mm-hmm. than our intellectual right. space yeah. of knowing. Um, so what, just as a quick thing what does that body work look like i've heard that term before people talking about body work or breath work or whatever so what is what is an example of like body work yeah well there's lots of like you said there's lots of different ways to go about that i am trained in something called emdr which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing which is a whole um protocol a whole therapy Mm -hmm. and Really, it helps people integrate and and categorize traumatic experiences 
through all of their senses. So it, it doesn't ask somebody to process trauma on an intellectual level, yeah. but rather on an emotional and body, bodily level. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that is resourcing, which is a lot of guided meditations, mindfulness. I'm actually asking people to, um, through focusing on the breath, to find a spot in their body that may feel really powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we do visualizations around growing that mm-hmm. or a part that feels really wounded or really small, like a, a you know, inner child work. Yeah. And we're then bringing in strong, um, you know, loving wise figures to attend to that part. Yeah. So wow. I, I help people kind of wake up to right. their heart and their body in all different ways. But a lot of it is based around, mindfulness and visualizations mm-hmm. and just noticing yeah. so that's uh, yeah. you know just tapping into the sensations of their body that they have tuned out for so long okay but there's somatic experiencing and somatic processing and you know other body work yeah okay that sounds amazing i know let's sign up i know <laughs> it's, <so fun. laughs> it's everything that we love like yeah. learning about yeah it's cool <laughs> i it's just cool hearing about that because i feel like we have such a clear firsthand experience of that, at least me, especially, I think being really disconnected from my own intuition. Um, and the, you know, the last few years have been a process of learning some of this stuff and even just noticing when like, Oh, I have a pang of something in my stomach. I don't know what that is, but like making it a point to stop and notice there's something there and then eventually, you know, moving on to, okay, what is that? Where's that coming from? All that. Yeah. To not dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. so interesting to me. All this stuff is, yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. It feels like a branch of knowledge that was hidden from us Mm -hmm. for so long and like hearing you talk about it and just that you studied it in school and just hearing other people talk about it. Sometimes I feel like, wow, like this was withheld, like these right. helpful things. And, you know, I like struggle with that feeling of like missing out yeah. for a large part of my life. Like, yeah. I don't know that I yet have deal- dealt with like anger or resentment yeah. Yeah. from that, but it's also, I have to think of it as it's amazing that this is in a way, I think it's led me to discover that there is help, you know, mm-hmm. and that there will always be more and more to learn, yeah. to, you know, because I don't think that I could, even if I wouldn't have gone through this experience, I wouldn't have been a perfect person. There would have been other things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's amazing now to just discover all of this stuff. Right. I feel like I was searching for it for so long, some kind of help in the church that I never got and always thought it was me. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and so it, I think it's amazing yeah. that like someone like you exists and like a job like this exists. It's <laughs> yeah. I feel I don't know. really lucky. I want to yeah. cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing it's to really, find really it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how in your mind, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this, but mm-hmm. so for somebody who went through a lot of trauma and let's just say religious trauma, since that's what we talk about, um, adverse, religious adverse religious experiences. experiences. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you can in, use religious yeah. I like that though. I want to use it more. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We're not allowed to use that. <laughs> um, what in your mind would be like a successful growing out of that trauma? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of what's, is there a destination in your mind for someone who came from a hard religious trauma background? Mm-hmm. Where are they headed? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an awesome question. And, you know, I think one of the things that I am very, very passionate about is helping people not re-traumatize themselves. Mm -hmm. I I don't like, actually, I want to rewind that. Not re-traumatizing themselves, but have the experience of being re-traumatized. And so I really, basically what I'm saying, what I want to say is like, I don't think that there's one path. Yeah. And I don't think there's one therapeutic modality. I don't think there's like a specific type of therapist you need to see. I mean... I think seeing somebody that has training, sense of training around trauma and mm-hmm. can tap into body work would be really important. But, you know, we were told for so long that there was one way and a path to get to an arrival point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a really common theme with people who are leaving any sort of indoctrinating community. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very passionate about saying, I deeply believe there is not 
one arrival point. Yeah, okay. But what came up for me when you asked was, I think you, I think people coming into themselves. Yeah. And being able to say, like, this is who I am. And unapologetically, authentically, this is who I am and what I stand for and my values. And I've found a way to live out of that. Yeah. So no longer any piece of myself is hidden or in isolation or rejected by me or a community I'm a part of. Amazing. But that looks really different for a lot of people. Yeah. I think for a lot of myself included, for a lot of people I work with, the propensity when you come out of a religious system is to do one of two things, find another community that actually replicates the trauma or to become the leader. And because it's kind of that pendulum swing, but Mm -hmm. you also swing to something that you know, which is indoctrinating really rigid Mm -hmm. spaces. Not everybody does that, Mm -hmm. but I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like the third time I recognized it, it was like, oh shit, like (laughs) I have such a propensity to come to a place of submission and lose myself. Even though these other places were not even religious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that that like pull to be a part of something bigger where I can like turn off my brain Uh is so ingrained. Wow. Yeah. That like that is one of the things that I am most passionate about is like I tell people when I meet with them the first time, I I deeply believe, even on an un uh uh, unconscious level, that you know where you need to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I do. Mm Whatever you want to say, soul or spirit or source within you, mm-hmm. when we can tap into that, like you will know where you you need to go. I don't know that. Yeah, I'm yeah. just here to help you tap into it and hold the light while you're while you're yeah. feeling around for it. Right. Like you have that inner knowledge. Yes. Like you, only you can know where. You, yes, yes. You need to go. Yeah. Yes. yes. Cool. We experienced swinging. We still probably do, but yeah. that's such a byproduct of having that set of rules and that rigidity is that you come out and wanting to find another group to be a part of and yeah. trying to ask myself, you know, am I, you know, locking myself down? I don't, mm. you know, like looking for ways that I'm putting myself in a box of any kind right. or like, I don't know, but it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's really true. difficult. I, I found myself having a really hard time being okay with not having rigid answers to things Mm -hmm. you know like even as you're saying maybe there's a thousand different ways a thousand different paths that people can take you know from coming from bad religious experiences to like full embodied living within themselves Mm -hmm. but for me coming out of religion especially right away it my tendency was to try to grasp onto something that was very black and white and very rigid and Mm -hmm. like very clear guidelines. This is how you do this. And Mm -hmm. this is how you do this. And this is a new way to live and all of that. Um, so yeah, for us, it's been a a process of continually checking ourselves like, Oh, wait a second. We're getting like a little bit too deep into this new way of thinking. Like let's zoom out again and just like kind of take a breath and (laughs) <laughs> double yeah. check wow let's try not to get involved in any new cults <laughs> yeah right. but seriously though i mean like i i can understand how people come out of religion and then mm-hmm. either join a new religion mm-hmm. or even become i want to say like dogmatic atheists because mm-hmm. that's a, a real draw mm-hmm. you know you come from one black and white system of thinking and you kind of just want to jump into a different one mm-hmm. that feels different from the last one but like mm-hmm. the fundamental structure of it, it's kind of the same mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a weird tendency i guess we have as just humans (laughs) i mean i think it's also particularly strong when you know the impacts of adverse religious experiences really vary depending on when you were a part of that community Mm -hmm. like but you know specifically those early elementary years is when our brain is really wired to think in black and white and and it's kind of where our development stops so like i think we you both grew up in the church yeah Mm -hmm. so we all grew up in the church Mm -hmm. and really had severe had pretty significant developmental impacts Mm -hmm. from being a part of that community Mm -hmm. that would look really different from a friend who joined when they were 22 yeah um, sure. You know, and they have space where they occupied uh, tension and gray. Yeah. Um, I think it's just be, 
it becomes one of those templates that can rise up and we always have to constantly yeah. check ourselves like yeah. you said Joe. yeah um yeah so why don't we talk about a little bit how you counsel couples and um how your religious trauma background plays into that and couples who are going through religious trauma either together or separately um do you notice is there any like common themes around that or is it sort of the same as individual counseling i'd say it's pretty similar yeah yeah i mean I'm just all about creating space mm-hmm. where exploration and questioning and um, tension can can be. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm I'm trying to help couples create that and essentially find um, that basis or that connection point that really united them probably as a couple. Okay. That they coined or you know used religious language around but it probably is a tenant that connected them from the beginning sure okay so it's really about like who are we individually who are we as a couple can that exist outside of this umbrella of religion Mm -hmm. do we want it to yeah and um yeah what is what is the foundation of why we chose each other yeah and because I think for most people, it's there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember thinking this, I remember saying this in couples counseling with my husband, like, we married, we married each other based on this tenant that we both were Christians. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the foundation of our marriage. And, and really it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I had told myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for however long. Yeah. So until I can kind of hit that rock bottom and realized, oh, like, no, it's not. Like, uh-huh. I, Actually, what that means is I, I value this person as a human being. Mm-hmm. I love their sense of adventure. And yeah. This is who I want my partner to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for couples, they might, that, that basis might be incongruent. Yeah. And so really trying to find ways for couples to find each other outside or um, outside of a religious context. Um or if it means they need to uncouple, doing that in a yeah. really compassionate, kind, loving way. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, we can question. relate to that. Yeah, totally. Uh, we can relate to that completely because I, I mean, we ha- I think we literally had that same conversation. Like, What's our foundation? Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. well, being first of all, we're both super disconnected from our own intuition, disconnected mm-hmm. from our body, disconnected. I felt like I was disconnected with myself in a way. So yeah, I. I always thought that the reason we were together was because we both loved God. We were mm-hmm. both Christians and that was a foundation of our marriage. Yeah. But yeah, exactly like you're saying, I feel like we went through all kinds of stuff and had a big breakdown and had to finally mm-hmm. come to that point where we could ask the question, like, why are we actually together? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, that's if it's, scary. if it's because of God, then like, should we stay together or yeah. not? Mm-hmm. And again, wow. either way, maybe that's, it's good to split up or maybe it's good to stay together, but mm-hmm. either way it's, it's hard to yeah. ask that question. It totally you know? is. That's, yeah. yeah. That's what makes it hard. Yeah. So did, you said you and your husband did some therapy together. Yeah. Um, did you find that helpful? I'm imagining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just, we did not know how to attend to each other. And right. what I mean by that mm-hmm. is like really be an anchor and be a, a loving, supportive partner. Yeah. Out when we walked away from the faith, it was mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. I felt like if we both wanted to pursue our passions, it was like uh, there wasn't space for that. Yeah. So we just were very emotionally stunted in our relationship. We didn't know how to talk about our own needs on every in in, in every area. Yeah. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was tremendously helpful. Yeah. Of of really building the partnership that we have today. Sure. We had to we had to fight for it mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Like like the two of you know really intimately. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like a, a lot of couples therapy then would be helping each individual get more in tune with themselves and who they really are and that way being able to come into a relationship from like two healthy individuals as opposed to one uh, like emotionally bound pair yeah pair. yeah yeah i feel like, like that's what we were taught was healthy when we were religious yeah. you know being so 
codependent. Yes. Yeah, or, that's the word I've been trying yeah. to think of this whole time. Okay, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, right. It was it was threatening for us to exist outside of our partnership. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely yeah. was. It seems like selfish and just yeah. not sent Christ centered and yeah. all of those things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to put language to things that are helpful outside you know you think there's like we keep talking about there's only one way to survive like in a marriage and that you know there's only Mm -hmm. one way to be a healthy person and like there's so many other things outside of that and I love like expanding that knowledge now you know that we don't have to stick to rigid rules and like you said I love finding more and more paths that will work for you because you can then choose the one that's most helpful for you and makes more sense to you. And I love that freedom because you need a tailor made path for yourself. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that at least for me, it didn't feel like freedom at first, you know, when the the doors opened and I started Mm -hmm. to realize, wow, there's like thousands of different ways to live or thousands of different ways to be in relationship with you Mm -hmm. or, you know, tons of different ways to do these things it, that felt way more terrifying at mm-hmm. first than like some kind of set in stone rule book of do this this Absolutely. this yeah it's like taken a while to grow into that freedom yeah. to like actually experience that as freedom as opposed to experiencing it as some like really scary big thing we have to overcome or figure yeah. out or yeah. whatever absolutely so yeah living in the gray i guess is like That's really cool. terrifying it first. is yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a developmentally it's it's an advanced skill yeah. that our mm. our brain has to acquire. And mm. if you think back to you know, all of us. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't say such uh, all encompassing language, but for like me, um, my development intellectually and and like with uh, critical thinking really stopped with black and white. Yeah, and right. I mean there is yeah. so that is that's actually a natural progression for us to be able to tolerate uh, uh, dichotomies mm-hmm. and you know where things are seemingly opposing that there can be space for both. Yeah. And so I I think it's really common what you're saying. Yeah. Where it's terrifying you open the door and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Let's close that door again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stay inside. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So I have one more question. Yeah. Do you have any like advice or tips to someone who's searching for a therapist? Um, and like any ways that they could go about doing it, say they're like nervous about the process, yeah. I guess, and like how to find someone who's right for them. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's a great question. Um, you know, I would say, obviously these are just my thoughts. So take mm-hmm. it with a grain of mm-hmm. salt, but, um, I would say look for somebody that can, that is committed to honoring your experience okay, and honoring the meaning that you made out of it and will provide a container for you to, to sit in exploration, to sit in questioning, to sit in ambiguity. Um, you know, if somebody, if somebody causes you to feel shame about your own experience, I'd really sit with that and yeah. question that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really think, People that are coming out of adverse religious experiences need need a space where they can feel permission to slowly untie every single box that we've carried mm-hmm. and know and still be held. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that just takes somebody skilled at at holding space for wherever you are at. Yeah, and I think for some people it really feels safer to be with somebody who has done their own deconstruction process um, and work specifically with that. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they don't need that. Yeah. You know, I would say it's, it doesn't have to be reserved for people that have had their own internal experience. I think that can be a major asset, sure. but only if that therapist has done their own work. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you feel like you are being pressured into making a conclusion or a belief statement or feel shame about wherever you're at, you know, that those are things to pay attention to. Sure. Cause it's like you, I think you had said, Joe, that to me, this is all about reclaiming your intuition and your voice mm-hmm. and your self knowledge yeah. intellectually, emotionally, and physically. And that's what I would want for people yeah. is a space where they can do all of that yeah. and somebody to help them do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So there are, I mean, there's like, 
a number of therapists that I'm aware of all throughout the states that work with religious trauma. Um, do you mind if I just give them a shout out? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, my partner in crime, who uh, Kayla Felton and I are, uh, have started Reclamation Collective, which is a support uh, resource for people um, who've experienced adverse religious experiences. And we are going to be publishing a list of therapists that we have vetted kind of uh, based on their experience with trauma. Oh, amazing. And, um, that will be on our website here really shortly. Okay. We'll and, put a link to that. And awesome. What, what is stuff, the website? Yeah. It's reclamationcollective.org, okay. dot, dot I think. Dot org. Okay. But I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we'll be adding to that as more and more therapists uh, kind of come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will also be uh, a future resource for clinicians and uh, people who identify with religious trauma. Cool. Um, Brian Peck, he is out in Idaho. He is an amazing, amazing therapist, and he has a practice called Room to Thrive. He's very active on social media. Okay. Okay. Um, and then uh, Laura Anderson is down in Nashville, and she is uh, an amazing marriage and family therapist, too, that specializes in working with trauma, specifically uh, adverse religious experiences. Um and then there's some uh, more people in the cities area that I'm familiar with too. So sure. I would say look for somebody that you know is going to be honoring of your experience, and check out Reclamation Collective's yeah. site for a list of of vetted therapists. That's cool. amazing. And give yourself a shout out too. Where can people find you? Sure. It's a website. Yeah, my name is Kendra Snyder, and my website is kendrasnydertherapy.com. And it's just S N Y D E R. So KendraSnyderTherapy.com. Cool. Nice. And you work with people uh, just in the Twin Cities? Or are you online therapy as well? Yeah, I I am licensed in Minnesota and Colorado, okay. so I can work with people that are residents of either of those two, okay. those two states, mm-hmm. either uh, with telehealth or in person. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, being with us. Yeah, this has been great. Today. I feel Thank like you. I got so much out of. Just so having this conversation with you. Oh, yeah. We came to therapy today. I know, yeah. <laughs> and we brought you all with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>